it's this unique moment to really understand what's going on. And this unique understanding helps provide the critical information at key moments uh, to do this kind of course correction if something's not going well because you've got these eyes on, and ears on the ground. Die Kulturmittler, der IFA-Podcast zu Außenkulturpolitik. Hello and welcome to today's episode of IFA's podcast, Die Kulturmittler, the title of which can be translated roughly as The Cultural Conciliators. My name's Dan Wesker and you've just heard my guest for today's episode, Teresa Pierce-Lanella. This unique understanding that she describes can be provided by election observation and that's what we'll talk about today. In Germany, the upcoming federal elections are all over the news, the elections being held in September. People in Germany might be excited, even worried about the outcome of the elections, but they're probably not really wondering if the ballot will be fair or afraid that their votes won't be counted. Nevertheless, for the German elections, there will be an election observation to make sure everything is going correctly. But how exactly does election observation work? And what does it take to support a country's democracy from the outside? My guest in this episode has a lot to say about these topics. My name is Therese Pierce-Lanela, and I'm the head of the team of electoral processes at International IDEA. Now, this is an organization that Germany is a member of that advocates for democracy and, and uh, excellent elections. I've been working 29 years in elections. I began with UN peacekeeping, but now I work towards election authorities um, all over the world. And my higher degree research has been on trust and on corruption linked to electoral processes or electoral systems. So that's me. Advancing and fostering democracy is an important concern to Germany's cultural relations and education policy. With the Civic Funding Programme, IFA supports civil society actors in preventing crisis, transforming conflicts and creating as well as stabilizing peaceful social and political systems. IFA has also supported projects of international idea for example, in conducting a youth dialogue about the constitutional reform in Lebanon. That's just one example of the way international idea works. As Theresa Perslanel has said, international idea's main goal is to support democracies around the world. With regional offices in 18 countries worldwide, the organization focuses on topics such as constitution building, parliaments or gender equality and inclusion in democracies and, of course, elections. And elections are a theme where Teresa Pierce-Lanella is an expert. So I asked her, what does an international election observation mission look like? Now, they can vary in size, but they normally have the same components, regardless of whether it's small or large. Firstly, it has an on-the-ground eyes and ears component. This could be short-term observers at polling stations or long-term observers following the preparations, the campaigning, voter registration, and so forth that happens before the elections. 
always there's also um, specialist expertise on the team. And this is usually around areas that have been pre-identified as possibly problematic. Usually someone who is an expert on the legal framework, but also perhaps on political financing or on technical issues. And then there is always a high level component. And these are the members of the mission who meet with um, the high level candidates and they get a sense of the political stakes of the elections at hand. So that's usually what an election, um, uh, international election observation mission looks like if you were to meet one on the ground. We've got an example there of, of, of how it works, you know, if everything's going to plan and everything's normal. Could you perhaps give our listeners an example of international election observation in a in a post-conflict region and its impact? Sure. Um, well, I can give uh, two examples um, from, from ones that I was directly involved in. And that was uh, Guinea in uh, 2010 and then Tunisia in 2014. Uh, of course, very, very different countries. Um, Guinea was emerging from a very dark and repressive period. It was often called the North Korea of Africa, completely closed. But in 2009, it opened up. And uh, Tunisia, of course, is much more well-known, a very modern um, country and um, it, in the, the follow-up to the Arab Spring. So those were two examples that I was directly uh, involved in. And in both cases, the uh, International Election Observation Mission, it did more than just be on the ground. It really signaled international interest and, and care about the democratic trajectories in both those countries. So in the case of Guinea, it was a welcome back to the international community and uh, signaling that we're, we're here for you now and, you know, uh, and boots on the ground. Also, in both cases, the long-term observers, that is, those members of the election observation mission who were on the ground nine months before the elections or seven months before the elections, they were able to give very discreet and quiet early warning course correction, both to the election authorities and to the authorities within the country, but also to the international community. Just um, just a heads up that this doesn't seem to be going very well. Um, it could be maybe a flare-up in a particular province, um, a worry about violence, or it could be something wrong in the election procedures themselves that could be corrected. These tend to be under the radar, but are extremely important components. And also in both cases, the uh, election observation missions served as a reliable external witness. And this was important because internal domestic discourse could get very fraught and uh, accusations here and there. And so that external witness function was was there in both cases. And do we notice a a change? I mean, how has uh, electoral behavior changed in the past 10, 20 years or, or maybe even the last years since the pandemic? Oh, goodness, we certainly see many, many changes. Uh, Let me pick um, a few. So I would say just to um, perhaps frame it, I would say there's um, more options. There's more going on uh, in terms of elections. They are less predictable and they're more polarized. And I could just uh, tell about the more options first. And that is um, the, the normal polling station that we imagine on election day that's really moved in, in most countries in the world. There's a lot more options on how to vote. And the COVID pandemic really accelerated that trend. And so now we see an increase in advanced voting and postal voting, um, experiments with smartphone voting. And this is 
bringing election management uh, to a whole new level of, of complexity, new costs, uh, new uh, capacities and skill sets needed to manage an election when there's so many different um, types or, or uh, ways of, of voting. But yeah. of course, it's more convenient for the voter. Um, less predictable, and that is uh, the pandemic. Nobody predicted that. It affected elections profoundly. People weren't supposed to meet. That's what you do when you go to, uh, to vote. But also, whether it's cybersecurity or security issues, terrorism threats, and so forth, or now um, uh, intense weather conditions. How do you organize an election during a, a bushfire or, or a flood, as you've seen in Germany? Right. This is something that's also affected, and then more polarized in terms of discourse. Election observation missions, I mean, they're not only carried out by international organizations such as the EU, but also by local and international non-governmental and civil society organizations. And you touched on that a little, little bit earlier, but what role do local observation groups play in election observation? Their role is critical. It's their elections. And um, so they are the real eyes and ears and boots on the ground. They have the range and the access uh, to what's going on. They have a local understanding, uh, often local language understanding as well. They can see what's going on. They can mobilize their, their people. Um, but importantly, what domestic organizations can do is they can do the advocacy that's necessary um, after the elections to ensure that the changes that they want to see do go through in legislation and so forth. So they can keep that long-term eye on what's going on and, and follow up. So that's extremely important. But I should mention also that there's um, a really nice um, cooperation between domestic and international monitors that can be very important. This is for a few reasons. Domestic election observations can sometimes be caught up in uh, reputational issues. Most yeah. people, they will be well known to people and their ability to be impartial is often questioned. Perhaps the head of the uh, civil society organization is seen to be aligned. Uh, so in that sense, um, getting backup from an international, in terms of your findings being correct, that backup, um, having your voice amplified by an international monitoring group can really help uh, a domestic group. But also the international observers have global experience and they can help put what's going on into a context which can help um, uh, domestic observers course correct in case they're getting too excited about something that doesn't necessarily need to be a problem for the election results. Speaking of international external observers, the German Federal Foreign Office names democracy building aid as a key part of crisis prevention. More precisely, their guideline for democracy aid consists of the following four aspects. Election observation, education, work, promotion of political participation and of the independent media, and support for constitutional organs. I asked Theresa Pierce-Lanella why election observation is considered such an integral part of democracy support. One reason it is, is that the deep uh, understanding that comes through election observation it's, it's this unique moment to really understand what's going on. And this unique understanding um, helps provide the 
critical information at key moments uh, to do, I guess, as we were discussing before, this kind of course correction if something's not going well because you've got these eyes on, and ears on the ground. It also, the recommendations that an observer report makes, they provide a blueprint for where to focus uh, democracy support resources um, following the elections, where, where the areas of, of need are or where the weaknesses are, but also because it is part of the trust-building arsenal or portfolio to build trust in the electoral processes or domestic processes that are in play. So it's, it's part of the, 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 the toolkit. International idea has a mandate to support democracy worldwide. Broadly speaking, what are the main trends in democracy and elections more specifically over the past 10 years? Well, let me just give you a really, really fast 25 years. And that okay. is when, in, from when I first began. And I, this will just take a few seconds. But in those days, we really, there was an enthusiasm and excitement about building democracy. And so many of the tools for supporting democracy were about that, that, that building uh, a, a new, a better world and so forth. And then about 10 years later, and here we get into the time space that you said, yeah. it began to be more about consolidating gains, that it wasn't enough to organize a, a single event. You needed the institutions that would be there for the long haul, who would themselves um, carry election organization, for example, forward uh, psych- electoral cycle after act- electoral cycle. Now we're moving into something quite different and, and, and somewhat frightening, which is um, protecting democracy. And it's both in, um, you know, whether it's, it's coups such as we've seen in, in Myanmar, but it's also a using democratic instruments in an undemocratic way, using uh, domestic laws in a way that, that curtails democracy. And that more um, insidious and quiet uh, a kind of uh, undermining of democracy has meant that we're moving into protection mode, I guess you could say now, from building and consolidating. And of course, the other big uh, trend we'd have to mention is technology that has profoundly um, influenced both how information is spread um, about elections and the campaigns themselves, but also how elections are run. This shift from building democracies to sustaining them is gradually becoming a more pressing issue for international organizations such as IDEA. And it might be an even bigger challenge. Last year, the study Effects of Swedish and International Democracy Aid was published. The authors are researchers from the Expert Group for Aid Studies, which is a Swedish governmental committee. And their report says that democratic aid is usually more effective in supporting the development of democracies than in preventing a so-called democratic backsliding. Apart from that, the study showed that democracy aid makes an overall modest yet positive contribution to democracy. And it also found no evidence that there could be a negative connection between international democracy aid and democracy. But why even look into negative connections when it comes to democracy aid? Maybe because there's also criticism. Since the 90s, international democracy aid from countries of the global north has been criticized for only importing Western values and ideas of democracy to post-conflict regions. In an article for the German Institute for Global and Area Studies, Professor Sabina Kurtenbach wrote, and I quote, that there is no shortcut to peace using a Western template. Is that idea of democracy as a Western import still an issue today? 
I asked Teresa Pierce Lanella about it. Well, I actually don't recognize what you're uh, asking in my own experience with elections. And maybe elections are particularly, are a bit special in this way. And in my, in the field that I've been working in, uh, the innovations have really come from the global south and that's where the expertise lies. So let me give the example of the independence or the fierce independence of electoral authorities. That was something that came up through Latin America and the end of dictatorships and authoritarianism and so forth. And the expertise really comes from there or the sense that the, all of the citizens, this idea of civic education, that they all, all citizens need to be brought into democracy, that was really pioneered in Southern Africa after apartheid, and the leading experts uh, come from there. Domestic observation, which you asked about before, that was pioneered in the Philippines with people power uh, just after Marcos, and spread quickly to Bulgaria and then on to the rest of the world. And similarly, um, professionalization of elections was really embraced in, in in uh, the post-Soviet Union, like Georgia, for instance, and most of the facilitators that you'll see around the world uh, come from that region. That's how I see it. I see it as a real peer learning and um, global exchange. So I, I don't quite recognize um, that, that in, in, at least in, in the professional field in which I work. So you wouldn't say there's any, any worry about this import of Western values there? Um, it, I, because I work with a professional field, I would say not. In fact, I would say the trend is in the opposite direction. So whereas, um, so the UK and the um, and Sweden are two examples where that have introduced uh, independent election commissions way, 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 way later than others yeah. um, and are upgrading the way that they, they run elections. So in my particular field, it's, it's not quite the case. When it comes to election observation, we don't only have to talk about countries that have been moving through crisis or conflict lately. That is because, since early 2000, the observation of elections has been routine in established democracies as well. As I said at the beginning, election observation is a tool that will be also used to monitor this year's German federal election on the 26th of September. The OSCE the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe is in charge of this process. In June, they conducted a needs assessment mission for Germany. This mission investigated the pre-election environment and the preparations for the elections. Based on the outcome, the OSCE recommends to send an election expert team for the 26th of September to the Bundestag. This team is supposed to assess the campaign environment and how campaigns are regulated and to oversee the campaign finance. This is nothing new. In 2017 and 2013, the OSCE had already acquired small teams of international experts to monitor the German elections from within the country. But why is it even necessary to observe elections in countries like Germany, where democracy is already firmly rooted? Well, that's a good question. Well, uh, even though democracy is firmly rooted, um, it, it is 
something to be maintained and, and, and monitored carefully, and that's where observation can play a role. I think if we look at the US elections, which we also thought to be a very, very stable democracy and electoral democracy, we could see that um, all kinds of election practices were put into question. And so having that impartial witness uh, can be really, really helpful for all the reasons that we've outlined al already. Also, that partly it's just a formality, and that is um, that observation, this peer-to-peer -peer observation comes through membership. And uh, Germany and the United States and uh, Sweden and Japan and so forth are members of the OSCE. Yeah. And uh, that comes with that commitment. But I should also mention that there's a lot of learning to be done. Don't assume that because something is old that there's not improvements to be made. And I can give the example of Sweden, yeah. where the OSCE mission um, uh, pointed out issues to do with the secrecy of the ballot. And then um, since then, the parliament has taken that seriously and has changed the rules about the ballots. So it can um, serve a real purpose by having that extra pair of eyes from outside. Okay, so to speak, we, we shouldn't become complacent just because it's being called a democracy. Absolutely not. Election observation is a tool that can and should be used worldwide and we shouldn't cut it off because of the fact that a country is already democratic. Especially, as Teresa Perslanella told me, because democratic tools are being more and more often used in an undemocratic way. As elections themselves are changing and ways of voting become more digital and remote, for example, new ways of election observation will probably always have to be developed for the future. So that's it for today. In the upcoming episode of Die Kulturmittler with my colleague Lara-Lena Goda, she'll be talking about video games in foreign policy. For any suggestions, critique or requests, feel free to email us at podcast at My name's Dan Wesker. Thanks for listening and take care. Die Kulturmittler, der IFA-Podcast zu Außenkulturpolitik.